Why, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of What's With You, Scooby-Doo. Today, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, Jamie Rue returns to the podcast. It's been a long time coming. It's been a while since he's been on, so uh, I'm glad to have him back. Uh, we go through uh, Mystery Incorporated, which I also feel like, I don't, yeah, maybe we've done that recently. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, enjoy a rollicking commentary that uh, delves very deeply into not only Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, but ourselves. Also, I get the name of uh, the actor from Twin Peaks who plays, uh, the I think they call him the Dancing Man in this. Uh, I get his name very wrong. Okay, here's what happened. His name, his real name, is Michael J. Anderson. I was confusing him with J. Michael Starshinsky, who writes comic books. Do with that information what you will. I, I, yeah. There's somebody who's filing things wrong in my head. Like, like very drastically filing things wrong. But... That's neither here nor there. Uh, enjoy the episode. Uh, as always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can on Facebook.com slash What's With You Scooby-Doo. What's With You Scooby-Doo at gmail.com. On Twitter and Instagram at WWY Scooby-Doo. And if you like the dorky songs I write at top of the direct video reviews, you can find those at WWYSD.Bandcamp.com. <sighs> Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Y'all are the best, and I mean that sincerely from the bottom of my heart. And, without further ado, to the podcast! Let's do this! He means to do Street Fighting Man on the jukebox. <laughs> and he goes, and I love pina coladas. <laughs> if you like pina colada, boom, doo doo boom. <laughs> A lot's been made out of it, but just to reiterate, both the people in that song are assholes, right? Uh, I just thought they like having sex in the rain, right? Well, the idea is that he's going to cheat on his wife. Oh. And then his wife is going to cheat on him, but then he puts out the ad, she ends up answering the ad, and then they're like, oh, well, I guess we like the same things that we never talked about while we were married? Yeah. I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I forgot. I have, I have heard this explained before it is it's like a it, but it's like a craigslist misconnection finding each other again yeah yeah except they, they're trying to cheat yeah <laughs> exactly but then they end up kind of like being caught in their own lies with each other and then be like so this is sexy right but when they're most true <laughs> is when they're lying is when they're lying because they both love pina coladas they can't escape that so they're with each other and, and ironically it's called the escape song is it yeah who calls it that that's the name of That's the song. The name of the, it's not called I Love. It's not called uh, Pina Colada. It's called The Escape Song, open parentheses, or Escape, open parentheses, The Pina Colada Song, close parentheses. Interesting. That's a really. That. Right? Right? Yeah, Never I thought you were going to get that today. No, you, you're. I, 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 it sounds like you study hard the iPo- at the iTunes <laughs> library. <laughs> What's with you, Scooby Doo? Today in the Scooby I have. James 
ready to rumble, Rue. Thank yeah, I'm I'm thank you for having me. I'm ready to rumble. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> how is that a thing for so long? I don't know. I I think that's how Terry Gross starts most of her interviews. I think <laughs> Hi, welcome to what is he, all things considered? Terry Gross? Yeah. Fresh air. Fresh air. Hi, welcome to Fresh Air. Let's get rid of <laughs> Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. That's, yeah. We started at, we talked about NPR last time I was on this podcast. Mm-hmm. The opening with. That's right. Because yeah. we did the, we did the uh, whisper voice. We, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just about, yeah. Uh, Michaela was on recently and we talked about ASMR videos. And I, you know, like where people like whisper. Oh. I never. I, I don't know this. It's like a thing. Well, okay. So I don't know definitively about it. I know that it's like something where people whisper, and like very often it'll be like in stereo. Like you're supposed to put on headphones to listen to it, and it'll be like somebody like doing hair, and you hear like the noise oh, of it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And supposedly there's like a group of people who are neurologically wired that that stuff like tingles down their spine or something when yeah. they hear it. And I feel like the NPR voice has to do that as well. Like people are like in traffic in their car and it's like, and today at five o'clock, the BBC registered that there was an, and like people are like kind of in their car, just like, Ooh. Yeah, I do. I, I I guess it's sort of like a pleasant back rub while they talk about, while while I digest like five dead and (laughs) like tsunami or whatever. (laughs) But, and then immediately, uh, it's broken by cutting to the British reporter. Five dead in Bagrabe today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David Die. <laughs> well, it's just that voice, everybody. Hello. Reporting from Buchenwald, I'm Flygel Mechner. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or yeah, uh, but when they, I've noticed though with the British, because the the World Report comes on after midnight. Okay. So whenever I'm like have insomnia, I listen to that. It's like it cuts back. It's like you're back into the world. The world. Yeah, yeah, the world. With David <laughs> Dye. I think that's what it is. The world with David Dye. <laughs> they have their own. They go talk to. I've noticed. Like I heard one before where they were talking about the transgender rights in England. Interesting. They, they went to this town where it was this issue, and they were like talking. To, there's the obvious two sides on this thing, and they when they interviewed people about who were against allowing transgender to use the bathroom of their choice, they had like that accent. English. All of them were like, "I don't, I, I don't think. Wait, I don't think that. Right, exactly. You know, the Cockney. Yeah, I don't. But think like, <laughs> if if you're going into a bathroom, see, you got a lot. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be standing up, you won't be standing up next to a bloke, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just, yeah. I think that's called a chav accent. Oh, is it? I think. Because, ch- uh, once again, I uh, I talk a lot without having a lot of info. But I think chav is like their, it's like their version of white trash. Uh-huh. Or like rednecky. Y- yeah. But like urban redneck, I guess. So I, okay, yeah. It, is it like Cockney? Yeah, well, Cockney, I think, yeah, I think it's, like, the updated version of Cockney, because Cockney, I think, would be considered, like, the, like, working class. Okay, yeah. And I think Chav is, like, the modern equivalent of that. Okay, Our, oh, I think I understand, okay. As opposed to, like, <laughs> Dickensian working class, it's, like, 
current working class. Okay, yeah, they're like the Eminem to Michael Caine. They're like the... <laughs> Eminem the rapper. Yeah, like not Eminem, Eminem the candy. No, no, like <laughs> I'm trying to. F- I, I... <laughs> they're Eminems to uh, Skittles being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Michael Caine reboot as Eminem in England would be a chav. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's not very well thought out. I'm I'm thinking this. Oh, but like that kind of Michael Caine, you know that like you know he always talks kind of. Like, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yes. I, yeah. It seems to me like in England they have a lot of they have a lot of different accents that connote different versions classes. Of, of classes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, because they were probably the definition of a class based society for the longest time. Exactly. Yeah. It's also crazy to think that there are so many accents in such in such a s- small, like relatively small piece of land. I mean, that's kind of bonkers. Because I mean, like you know, somebody from uh, California is going to talk perceptibly, but not that crazily different from someone from Oklahoma, mm-hmm. right? And like you know, somebody from Georgia is going to talk differently than someone from New York, but. Those are huge yeah. spaces. Especially before the advent of uh, television or something. Yeah. It would make sense that in this geographical that you just wouldn't hear it all that often. But in England, it's like... You... Literally in London, you'll hear two different accents from two sides of the city. Yeah. How do people decide, like, I'm not going to talk like that. I'm going to talk <laughs> like this. No way, mom. I'm not talking like that anymore. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to talk like this from now on. Because they hear it. They could, you know, like you must. Yeah. How much control can you have? Can you be like, I can talk like that. I mean, I'm familiar with it. Because also, very often people don't necessarily hear their own accents. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, that's a thing, supposedly. It's like smelling your own smell. Yeah. You don't hear yourself. Yeah. Because if I was going to talk like this, then perceptibly, you would sound different than me. Also, I feel like I'm doing a Republican. That's just a Republican accent. <laughs> you know, let me tell you something right now. Look it. I need, I need if we're going to have taxes in this country, we need to be taxing as little as possible because upward mobility of people is being hindered, you know? Well, uh, <laughs> I think you with taxes, you need to consider some variables of opportunity and equality. I feel like that's how everybody at the National no, Review I, talks. Yeah, I, I, I was trying. I, I, no, no, no. I was. I was. You can cut stuff, right? You cut stuff yeah, in yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. I, I was trying. I was trying to th- think of what the I, the Democrat accent would be. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely very, like, like a mid Atlantic. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, a lot of. On the one hand. <laughs> Maybe or uh, what would perceptibly. It? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean, we've already had you on, so we d- we can dispense with the history lesson. But like, let's uh, let's say wh- what, if any, has been your uh, experience with Scooby Doo since you last been on? Ooh, nothing. Yeah. I would say, uh, yeah, very little. Yeah, like the average person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Scooby Doo hasn't been in my life much the past what two years since I came here. Yeah, possibly. It's been a while. What like do you because you are somebody to me who voraciously like devours media and I mean like different types of media like information you love information and I mean like when we're doing stand up you very often get on the mic and you're like I read this thing or like I saw this thing and it's information and it's very interesting to me and this is what I think about it. 
I like I like connecting the dots yeah. on uh, culture inf- information. Like Scooby Doo is something that's just out there on the internet. You can like I feel like you like doing that. Like or you can find the connections between mm. the everything. It's fun to find like these sort of interconnecting webs of information and how things uh, uh, c- <laughs> connect Ugh. and how things influence. <laughs> other things yeah and seemingly disparate things as well that's a lot of fun yeah and like the conversation we have about things and how that conversation is influenced by the thing by things like scooby-doo so like with this thing my approach to this was i mean i I procrastinated but (laughs) i was i was thinking about what i wanted the concepts that i wanted to talk about and how Scooby Doo could cater to that. Cater to that. Yeah. 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 So uh, I searched first. I searched Scooby Doo cults. <laughs> okay. I, I felt like you were looking for the the famous Scooby Doo Heaven's Gate crossover, or maybe Jonestown. <laughs> I was think, I, you know, because the era in which Scooby Doo came about mm-hmm. in the late '60s, and then it sort of came into its own. I well, it was a. It was a bridge, 60s, 70s, right? When was yeah. the end of the first? So, the first era basically ended in the 70s. Yeah, you know, mid 70s, and then uh, you know it really transitions into Bonkersville and sort of a lot more broadness in the 80s. So, that 70s time period, I think, is between this era of like questioning social mores, re- traditional religion, the, uh, gender roles conception of monogamy Mm. and and that in the 70s there was this like fallout of like i don't free love just sucks (laughs) or or i think in a sense you know it just sucks well i i think there's a threshold where free love free love is on one side of that threshold a liberating concept and then once you cross that threshold, free love becomes as uh, imprisoning a concept as anything else that you take too far. It, well, exactly. Or like free love. Yeah. Then your love. Then I, I just need it. I just think that no matter how you cut it, you lead to heartbreak. Yeah. With that or with religion. You know, it's like if mm. we lose our if you no longer believe in some mythological story then it can be kind of unsettling to not have any meaning in your life. Yeah. And, but then people want to have structure, but they've rejected all of these old ideas. They've been rejecting they, stuff for so long that the counterculture at some point has to become counterculture to the counterculture, and then you're left with nothing. Well, or, or, then, you're, or then you have these people who create this new mashup religion <laughs> meaning like charles manson or jim jones and yeah they're like hey or heaven's gate you know they're just like hey come on here we have now ron hubbard <laughs> not only are we gonna l ron hubbard yeah. yeah exactly not only are we going to support your questioning your ideals uh but we're going to give you a new system of me of spiritual meaning we're going to guide you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting how that infuses, how that dilutes and makes it into entertainment. Because, I mean, like, you think of, like, counterculture and, like, this, you know, the the 60s of, you know, not only free love, but, like, uh, pacifism and protesting Vietnam and all this kind of stuff. And how 
really reactionary that is and you know if not violent in nature then violent in attitude violent violent in the sense of tearing down the system revolutionary yeah and how that filters into stuff like h&r puffin stuff you know or like any of these other 70s shows that are meant for children but that counterculture idea sort of infuses it and you know becomes almost a a, a I don't want to say sanitized version, but uh, uh, a different version of it. You know, a sublimated version for uh, uh, mass media consumption for children. <laughs> yeah, an animated version. Yeah, right. And I mean, Scooby-Doo, to a certain extent, you know, uh, Carl Sagan famously wanted one so that because uh, he thought that it propagated uh, uh, skepticism. I mean. Exactly. Yeah. And that I because Scooby-Doo, I read I read I'm actually read this online. But it is essentially a show about kids searching for truth. Yeah. And then there, and the issue of if the supernatural versus the Velma side of things, the logic, Mm. you know, everything has a meaning. But they're constantly dealing with ghosts and these supernatural villains and stuff. Yeah. But at the end, it's humans. Yeah. It's always somebody fooling them yeah it's always somebody willfully trying to deceive them yeah yeah which so, is bonkers yeah but it's also not bo- it's it's it, it's, <laughs> it's also very uh, quotidian yeah you know it's very like normal for people to lie yeah <laughs> and try and set up these false realities <laughs> and that and like somebody should have told that to people who went to jonestown well, yeah. You know, like, if, if they just could take off Jim Jones's glasses and see that he's just all hopped up on Adderall and... Well, not Adderall in that back then, I guess. Yeah, more b- like b- Benzedrine or whatever. Yeah, I read... The, or I've been listening... My headspace... I've been listening to this podcast about Jonestown. <laughs> so uh, I should probably, like, preface all of my observations on this, but... <laughs> Jonestown is currently on the brain. It's on, yeah. La- Do you ever listen to the last podcast on the left? No. It's, it's about cults, though, right? It's about, they cover, like, cults, conspiracies, serial killers, mm. and they do kind of in-depth episodes on it, and then they have, like, a good rapport. Here, I, I feel kind of funny, like, av- talking about it in a podcast. On, on a podcast. podcast, yeah. I think it's a, <laughs> but it's it's a good a- podcast. I would... I, I just should preface that to qualify my observations. I feel like they're, if anyone's listening to this and they're like, he's just listening to the last podcast on the left. <laughs> so, yeah, I am. I have been. Yeah, I feel that way very often, though, where it's very obvious, like, what I'm into at the time. Like, you can kind of, like, track, like, oh, he's reading this book or he's uh-huh. watching these movies or, like, you know. Yeah, I feel like we all do that. I get self-conscious about that sometimes. Yeah. We're all kind of in this landscape of information. And, and someone statistically there has to be someone out there who is hitting that information pool at the exact same time you are and it's like oh i've been thinking about those same things because i've been listening to that same thing or reading that same thing or watching that same thing yeah exactly yeah 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 it makes it's it's sometimes hard to have original feel confident in your original thought well i i uh i was just talking about this the other day with somebody how like statistics what are we at we're at like seven billion people on the planet now right something like that sounds right to me and statistically, there has to be at least a thousand people having the exact same thought as you right now. You know what I'm saying? Like out of seven billion, like a thousand is a drop in the but like tiny amount. And they have to like there has to be somebody 
at any given point in time who is thinking the exact same thing you are. Yeah, that kind of blow. I I guess it makes me feel good that so many people are thinking about me. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Uh, So today we're going uh, relatively new school. Uh, We're going to be watching Mystery Incorporated, which started in 2010. I think it finished up in 2012. But we're also going towards the end of Mystery Incorporated when stuff takes a severe left turn, uh, which is going to be fun. I haven't done this in a while, so this will be a good time. But we're going to be watching Season 2, Episode 22, Nightmare in Red. Uh, is there anything? So you're hoping for uh, some some weird stuff. I'm looking for some hypnotism. Okay. All right. I think you're going to get it, man. Yeah, that's oh, that's what online, the synopsis. I'm excited. Let me to believe. All right. Let's so, do it. So, season Season 2, Episode 22, let's do it. I don't understand. Oh, Daphne. We are soulmates. I never understand anything. Except maybe if the freak of Crystal Cove is here, it's obviously one person. My not-dad, the ex-Mayor Jones. Isn't that right, not-dad? Not-dad? Tapering candlesticks, Fred. (gasps) Like Fred's non-parental. What are you doing here? You're in prison. Only part of me. What you see are the best parts of all of us that have been trapped here in between worlds because of our association with the cursed treasure of Crystal Cove. We've all been tainted in one way or another by that darn treasure. Scooby, you have one crazy dream. Thanks, Oma. If this is the best part of you, why are you masquerading as the freak and scaring my Scooby-Doo? Jumping juniper bushes. That's not me. I got the idea for my freak costume for my dreams, my nightmares, because that nightmare freak is in here with us. I know who it is. The monster is free! I feel sure about it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, so Fred had a shitty father. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I yes. That was probably the best quote of the episode. Uh, he said. Uh, <laughs> Despite stealing me, uh, despite stealing me as an innocent baby and lying to my me my entire life, I still love you, as a Dad. <laughs> Which, like, okay, okay, all right. I mean, you know, like to a certain extent, I, yeah. I guess both of those things. You could go through an entire life being lied to and still have like a pretty good life, and then at the end, like, does that negate all the good times? Well, I thought it was like ev- what every therapist wants to tell. Their patient, <laughs> or like, I've I've had this encounter with people, like where, especially with dads, people will be, or their parents, where they're like, I don't talk to them, I don't do any, you know, like I'm so mad at them about this or this, yeah, and, but like, no matter what, the best solution to that is to forgive them and let them know that you love them and have connection with them because they'll eventually die no matter how much they stole you when you were an innocent baby or <laughs> lied to you your entire life. Well, there, 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 I mean, like I, I always think of that. Yeah. And like from a re- removed perspective as an audience member, like a kid watching Scooby-Doo, I don't, go, I don't care about his relationship with his dad, you know, <laughs> but in the grander scheme of things, I think you both would feel a little bit better if, if you just resolved it. Well, yeah. I mean, I also think frequently with my parents how they were younger than I am now when they started having kids. And it's just like, I I barely have my shit together. 
I would say, I, arguably, I have a little bit of shit together. Like, but you're not in a position where you'd go out and steal a baby like Fred's dad, or even try and take care of it. Like, I, I, I'm not even taking care of a dog right now, man. Like, like I don't have any potted plants. That's where I'm at. Like, That's how, uh, yeah. <laughs> to think of having a kid, like, of course the kid's gonna get a little bit screwed up. Like, you're, you're it's children having children, man. Yeah, I mean, in that conception of thing, like. I've been thinking about it lately, like... You having baby fever right now? <laughs> uh, no, I hadn't really thought about it, but I don't know, I'm 31, mm. I'm 31. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, shit. <laughs> and I don't know, my friends are, like, getting married and having kids, so I've yeah. been, like, t- hearing them talk about this, like, idea, and it makes me... Th- I, and I've been... My, my base answer is, like, I wouldn't be unhappy if I didn't have a kid. But when right. I think about it, I sort of also think in the video game of life, having a kid is, like, a thing you get to do. It's like the th- and and I sort of I was it sort of feels like playing um like Grand Theft Auto and not running anyone over or like picking up a hooker. Like you're not <laughs> that is the best analogy for having a kid I have ever heard in my life. But no, I get you're you, you're uh, closing off a section of opportunity. Yeah, and you're never going to be prepared or whatever for it. Yeah, there's never going to be a right time. But that's like what you're supposed to do as a species or something. Yeah. So why not like figure do that? I, mean, I don't know. I'm I'm just rationalizing for Fred's dad. Right. Fred's dad st- I see stole that's, the baby. Stole the baby. There, there is also a backstory there, to why he did that yeah this whole episode actually there you jumped into a very funny part because there is a lot of backstory to the things that are happening in this episode and yet like it does stand alone like there are some things that make sense in the sense that like they're still solving a mystery in this standalone episode but there's so many things that you've missed in this series of like, you know, uh, why are they visiting this dude? Why is Scooby having this dream? Why is there a second talking dog? And like, who are all these past uh, groups of people and an animal? Like, why are they all linked and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah. And you were saying, too, that this is the first. Was this the first time when Scooby-Doo uh, had an overarching storyline? Pretty much, yes. Uh, it's the first time that it's been this in depth. I mean, to a certain extent. I mean, I could put it together. Oh, like, yeah. I, I could put it together. I could, you know, I, I kind of read the synopsis and was able to put mm-hmm. it together pretty quick. I, I mean, I think on top of that, too, is it's got an overarching storyline of an assumption of knowledge of the cultural landscape that yeah. it exists in. I mean, it's a really postmodern series. For sure. Also, luckily, there's ham-fisted exposition everywhere. Galloping ghost uh, feathers, Fred. Uh, All of our good selves are trapped in here by that monster. And so we're only living a half portion of ourselves in the real world. And you'll be stuck here, too, if he catches you. (laughs) Yeah. You need that. You you sometimes need the ham-fistedness because at the end of the day, it is kids watching this. Well, that and that was such an interesting thing being brought up. Okay, so we're getting the car before the horse a little bit here uh the the premise of the episode is basically that scooby has been having these dreams where he's been seeing this this dancing man i think they called him in this in a red room i think they called it the red room or the waiting room something like that the red room i think yeah yeah which is basically twin peaks it is it is basically twin yes 
I don't even know why I'm saying basically. I don't know why I'm take the guy it from is Twin, Twin Peaks. They have the actor from Twin Peaks playing his, him, his animated self. Yep. So it, and the, yeah. Yeah. The visual imagery. It's all <laughs> Twin Peaks. I mean, the concept of, yeah, it's all. Which is so funny to think of uh, Agent Dale Cooper walking through and running into Scooby-Doo. Like, that was, you are a fascinating dog. Thank you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, that would that character would be a great character on Scooby Doo in general. Uh, that, but I think with this episode, they took the conceit from Twin Peaks of of the idea of how dreams impact reality. Mm. So it exists in the dreamscape of tw- dream because in Twin Peaks, it's the same deal. That that red room is a dream sequence. Yeah, and somehow they're accessing. I mean, they call it worlds between worlds. I feel like. Uh, David Lynch is a little bit more uh, uh, less coherent purposefully. I mean, he's purposefully kind of obtuse about like what this dimension is to a certain extent because that that's more interesting. To yeah, him. it's yeah. not obvious and it and it doesn't need to be explained. It's just kind of a, a state mm-hmm. for him. And in this, they because it's a a children's supposedly a children's show they're a little bit more like it's a different dimension and you can access it through your dreams in this world between worlds where space and time and that brings in this concept where i think this episode was a big was dealing with the struggle between what is symbolized in velma's character and what is symbolized in fred's character of the like brain versus the heart or the logical reasoning the the logic of uncovering the truth well there's almost kind of like if if you get campbellian about it you know oh yeah i totally thought about the hero's journey in this whole well and sort of if you strip away the conceits of physicality and you strip down to ego like what happens to the ego when it's put into these compromising situations like it fred walks in with a because because uh, also the the freak of crystal cove was originally a character in the first season that terrorizes mystery inc to get something and it turns out to be his not father now in this world in this dream world the freak of crystal cove exists there as well and so he goes in thinking like we've already solved this it's my not dad and then he finds out it's something else and so he has to come to terms with that which is then ultimately so like the 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 death of ego and sort of the return is him forgiving his father because the freak of crystal cove is something different that's his realization you know yeah I, yeah, well, and and also this beast that they see in there—they mm. all have separate. They're entities as characters. They all have separate experiences with it. Yeah, they and go those, into those different rooms. We go into those different rooms. Yeah, mm. Velma's. She ends up in some room with like a butler lighting some matches with a gun <laughs> yeah he's taking a, a like old flint revolver to like candles. candles he's lighting like a thing of candles with the flint revolver that's such a badass move too of like oh, i gotta light these candles <laughs> yeah well and then what i said to you then is that that is a badass move but that is what velma would do yeah it's almost it's, a macgyver yeah figure it out sort of thing exactly like it would be the, the physical that's how gone Flint works, candles, fire, yada yada. Yeah. So she'd see it like that. When Scooby Doo and Shaggy bumped into the thing, they were like, they had a whole thing eating like uh, tortillas, just plain tortillas, just plain tortillas. <laughs> they get them all flopped all over. <laughs> Scooby's got a 
sombrero on. <laughs> they they kind of do those shenanigans for a little bit, and then the thing shows up. Yeah. So my, my thing here is like there's this element to this episode where you're trapped in your head. You're, you're that, conscious. So every, you're subconscious. Yeah, you're subconscious. And like um, Fred's father says, they say to him... Uh, talk to him about how he dressed up mm. in earlier episodes dressed up like the f- the freak and he this goes this thing from his dreams yeah and he said no that's not me i got that idea from my dreams mm. which is this like it's like well that is your dreams are you yeah they're they're part of you they're part of you how do you separate that yeah and how do you and and do you get deluded by that and i think that that journey when they go into the thing well, we should explain for the viewer. Okay, so for what the what happened. So, so because Scooby is having this dream, he recognizes. So Velma previously has checked out this book about supernatural and the occult and all this kind of stuff, and Scooby recognizes the man in the red room. The dancing man in the red room is the author whose photo is on the jacket of this book. Yes. So because of that, they go to visit him, and he's a recluse. Uh, he doesn't want to see people until Scooby's like, you been in my dreams. And he's like, come on in. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of Scooby-Doo characters, they play hard. These like, they play hard to get until <laughs> immediately they're like, let me tell you, let me do everything for you. You so, kids get off my property. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want you here. You know, those strange lights have been in the sky for the past I, month. <laughs> yeah. And that, and he goes, uh, I'm not answering any more questions. <laughs> Get off my property. He goes, why have the reporters been here? That's right. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And then he's like, well. And <laughs> Let me answers sit the- down. Yeah. <laughs> um, with, so he, so Scooby has these dreams. Velma has this book on the occult by this author. They, they go to see the author. Scooby believes these dreams. Scooby believes that these dreams have meaning. Velma says, no, they don't have meaning. They're just dreams. Yeah. So they go. The supernatural so, cannot exist. It's cannot kind of exist. her exactly. very steadfast position. So they so conveniently, they not only they have a book by a rational author mm. about the supernatural. So they're like, let's go compromise on this debate between a dog and Velma. <laughs> uh, and we'll go meet this guy and ask him. Yeah. And so they go to his house and he's a recluse hermit guy. He's got like a round bookshelf room. God, that would be the most badass thing to have. It, yeah, it looked awesome. He, and this guy explains to them that that this is the world controlled by somebody. Yeah. You can it's, only access it. It's somehow in this dream state you can enter this world where the way that he describes it, he says, where time and space meet and different dimensions uh, open up or something like that. Yeah. And you can only access it through your dreams or hip- or through, through hypnosis. Through hypnosis, I guess. And he found a way to do it through hypnosis. Yeah. But once he got there, this creature found him and stole part of him. Yes. Yep. So, yep. like, he's existing kind of a half life in the real world and a half life in this dimensional world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- and he's like, it'd be a good idea if you went into this dimensional world where half of me got lost and figure this all out. Yeah. Well, he, he said something like, uh, you got to find this monster and solve this 
solve out who what this monster is and Fred's like finding out unmasking a bad guy that's kind of our thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah <laughs> you literally yeah. just described everything <laughs> you we have do. to go find this thunder and figure out who he is unmask it <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, that is what we yeah <laughs> literally on our business cards unmasking <laughs> and and then he, so so then next scene they're all lying in this circular bookshelf room on the uh, floor on the floor uh like like they're like petals on a flower like they're they're you know petals out of the central point on a flower yeah and <laughs> and they're just laying there and on the ceiling the camera goes up and you see like a big hypnosis wheel yeah like a giant pinwheel that's an infrastructure infrastructure piece of the room of the room that lowers yeah like because one of those handheld ones was just not good enough <laughs> for him it would he got a big screen hypnosis wheel that just comes down from the ceiling but also like presumably he's a recluse he's living alone right he doesn't want people over so this is just, this for, is him. just for him yeah <laughs> This is how he hypnotizes himself. He like pushes the button and lies in the middle of his yeah. room. He's like a director, like a Hollywood director getting a theater for his home. <laughs> He's like the quality of the of the hypnosis is it's so much more better and yeah. high def. So, yeah. <laughs> He's got THX with just you're getting very sleepy. <laughs> um, oh, is there anything better? It's a great hypnosis wheel. Yeah, yeah. And it comes down and they all get hypnotized. Hypnotized. Yeah. They all get hypnotized and they end up in this red room, like the room from Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. This, the, If anyone has seen Twin Peaks, where David Lynch actually filmed it in... he The actors learned their lines backwards. Yeah, so... And then he filmed the scene and, and they walked and did stuff backwards and then he filmed it in reverse. So, you, so it's a very odd scene with the little guy, that actor, the little actor... Michael Straczynski, I think might be his name. Yeah. J. Michael Straczynski. Oh, I'm nice. not, I can't remember. Interestingly enough, this is going to be a weird digression. He's not technically a little person. He doesn't have dwarfism. Uh -huh. What he has is, uh, it's called osteogenesis imperfectus. Uh -huh. The only reason I know so much about this is because my cousin has it. But his bones are very brittle. Uh -huh. So basically, they just break all the time. And osteogenesis imperfectus, basically, it's, it, it stunts your growth by virtue of the fact that your bones can never handle a bigger structure. Ah, okay. So that's, that's, so that's his thing. That's, so that's why he's smaller. Oh, I get it. That's, that's a really good tidbit. For, or not tidbit. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. Ding! <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, in Twin Peaks... Uh, uh, Dale Cooper goes there and meets him and uh, Laurel Palmer and they speak everything's like uh, yes and she look yes like Laura Palmer <laughs> yeah yeah kind of Scandinavian sounding <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> or our Stephen Hawking's machine <laughs> it's yeah the universe is sometimes <laughs> yeah which is the result of being done in reverse mm -hmm. learn yeah which I'm not entirely sure if they did that for this. I suspected that he did the backwards sounding voice and they just put some effects on it. Yeah, that was it. your so and this to be clear on this too is this character, what's his name in the what's his real name? 
uh, I think it's Michael Straczynski. Michael I Straczynski. might be wrong about that. He's both the author. So he's the actor in Twin Peaks, and he also mm-hmm. does the voice, and he's animated. Yeah, in, and it in looks this like episode. Him. It looks like him. He's the author. He's the guy with the big hypnosis wheel. Mm-hmm. But he's also trapped in this, inside this hip dream world. So he uh, speaks forwards in the real world. Yeah, and supposedly backwards. Backwards, or made to sound yeah like the Twin Peaks backwards yeah. thing in the in the, the dream m- world. monster is coming. <laughs> yeah, and and he gives Velma uh, a statue of Athena. Yes, and. This is so that this is self-serving for him and helps them at the same time because that will allow him to be able to reunite with himself to bring his other half back and also bring them out. Yes. (laughs) And And they have an hour. So there's a time crunch on this. Yeah, they are, they have an hour. Yeah, and every once in a while, I'll cut back to him with the time clock and be like, I would have been out there in five seconds. What are you guys doing? Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry up. I'm like, I, it, it is kind of a, a, a lot for a guy who lost half himself in this place to claim that he would be able to do it so quickly. Well, and also he's sending a bunch of teenagers in to deal with the supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, this is like sending, like, you know, uh, uh, your high school graduating class and to like Vietnam and being like, come on, why aren't you doing this faster? Yeah, that's funny because that's essentially what like LBJ did. <laughs> Good point. I didn't realize how apt my description, yeah. my metaphor was when I started it. I didn't either, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so they all kind of like do a bu- they all do like a f- few different montages where they're talking individually. And the and the thing shows up and they get chased. Yeah, I mean the the whole thing it's it's basically kind of uh, balancing this tension between like they have a clock, so there's a threat of them being trapped there forever. There's also something that presumably wants to like steal their soul for eternity, which I mean like that's hardcore. That's way scarier than death because mm-hmm. that's forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and also trying to like attain information and solve this and you know uh, figure out what's happening and they got you know a uh, uh, red guy getting on their ass about <laughs> saving his ass yeah and there's a one point in the episode so then they all have their little different hijinks and then they <clears throat> all show up again together and then there's one point where Velma just has a breakdown yeah yeah they're they're at like an Aztec temple and is that before or after he's like it's trapping time no that was right before Okay. Because that basically led into yeah, him. Led into because it. what happens is the freak goes into this light that's being yeah. uh, created by this temple. And uh, he starts to like melt. And he's like, ah. And they're like, uh, ooh, well, th- this is how we solve it. Yeah. But Velma like completely loses it because it, it, I think her thing, she literally said, like, I just want it to make sense. This doesn't make any s- Yeah. This and I, I want it to make sense. I need it to make I sense. I need it to make sense. Yeah. And and she comes right up into the focus. She takes up the camera. Mm. It's like, this is Velma's monologue. Yeah. And I was just like, yes, thank you, Velma. That's exactly, that's exactly what's on the mind of anyone who knows Scooby-Doo at that moment. And I think that that is intentional. You know, they're saying like, this episode is, they're in hypnosis land. It's all metaphor. It, it, like yeah not, it's yeah we want we want we need we we not only need to like make sense of what's happening around us but what's happening inside of us as well yeah and like how those two things co- coincide with each other 
Yeah, and and then Fred is just like, chill out, Velma. It's trapping time, interdimensional style. <laughs> interdimensional style. And then they just start going on, like, running at stuff. And and then Spanish conquistador just appears. Yeah, so they trap the, uh, the, the freak, the monster, and melt oh, it away yeah. Yeah. with whatever's on top of that pyramid. We don't quite know yet. And it turns out to be this conquistador who... And they all go, and they're, it turns into this conquistador, and then they all are like, it's... Who is this? Wait, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, who is this guy? Because he's never been established in Scooby-Doo before. Right, exactly. And then Velma is like, oh, I believe that that's a conquistador, blah, 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 because I'm the rational one, and I have... I've done the research. I've done the research. I know this guy makes sense to me. But also, I mean, that that also bolsters your point i mean sort of this postmodern aspect of it the fact that it is very like referential to properties that are outside of it it's sort of uh pastiches and montages pop culture and in addition self-references itself on multiple occasions so where typically they would go like it's farmer ted well mm-hmm. that makes sense because farmer ted never wanted them to find out that there was oil and he was secretly drilling so now when they everybody should know what's going on they don't, and it has to be explained to them. Even yeah. though they were able to fundamentally do what they do, which is unmask the villain, it wasn't satisfactory. No, and you can only do that gag once. Right. Or, you know, very few times. And the hypnosis episode is a good time to do that. I yeah. Think. And I think they were getting at something, too, with with the that connection to Velma. Where, and, and this is really what I was kind of, what I've been thinking about with this ending of it is sort of like, so they find that this is a conquistador. Then this conquistador tells them this crazy story about the original tr- like unmasker like the original truth seekers yeah gang or this gang that very loosely resembles them <laughs> as yeah. if there's some you know their their destiny yeah and, and you and you kind of are following this like hodgepodge explanation of dream world resolve right, right. and then it cuts back to the guy to the character, the conquistador. No, it cuts back to the writer in oh, the yeah. room, and he's like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> and he's like, "Velma, Velma, you're the reason. Get out! You're running you, out of time. Yeah, you need how, like you're the one who's who, who gets stuff who gets done. Stuff, yeah, or you're the one, the rational. I, he's something yeah, like rational, that. Logical. Rational, logical one. Yeah, you're running out of time, and it cuts to Velma, and Velma's like, "We're running out of time." We got to give this thing to the dude. And then they just cut into the next room. They cut into the red room again. Uh, Well, they had to go get Fred because he was talking to his dad where we got that great line. They all show up there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Fred shows up there and he says to his dad, dad. uh, I forgive you for being a shitty father or being a good father. Despite uh, you stealing me as a baby and lying to me my entire life, life. I still love you as a dad. (laughs) And forgive you. (laughs) And forgive you. Yeah. And then they like make up and then. They all go back out. And what I'm getting at here is like, I think that that whole thing with the Aztec temple and everything Mm -hmm. was like, here's this story, you dumb kids. But really, this story is just some bullshit that Velma's telling herself. They're all telling themselves. And if they stick around too long, they're going to get sucked into this delusional dream world too. Interesting. Because it's all... it's. Well, it's almost like it's the f- fluff that is masking sort of 
It's, it, I mean, if this were an afternoon special kind of Disney movie, it would almost be sort of like the magic is inside you the whole time. Or like, in reality, the problems are inside of you the whole time. Like, this is about you. This isn't about monsters or anything fantastic. This is about you dealing with your issues. I agree. And I think that when you start opening people up like that, like this, this is where I'm bringing it back to this cult, my cult yeah. mentality coming into this. Yeah. When you start opening people up like that, and you say, look inside yourself, and this is all about your perceptions and your, and you know, like doubt and stuff. Then the greatest way to exploit that is to then tell you, or for you to delude yourself, is to then resolve that by saying, I have meaning, I have purpose. Well, that's I, basically, I mean, Scientology, or I guess yeah. more Dianetics, well, both interchangeable almost, but the whole point is that. You, it's you, you can, you know, think away problems. Like you have the power to overcome these things with just you. And that's sort of the, the promise of it is that at the end of the day, like you can, you, you're a God. Yeah. I think that there are these like noble lives that culture and society or we tell ourselves that like are, you can never touch or like you can never validate but it's like the magic in things mm. and that they present themselves obtusely so you know for that i and i think that like for a scooby-doo character they would think like we unmask people because this is what we're meant to do and people have been doing this since for eras and we're in this lineage of of order of point of mystical beauty to the world but that like when you start applying that to it then you're applying the human lies onto mm. this thing and you can create this beautiful representation of meaning to yourself like jim jones would do for his people or charles manson could present to his people or or, well, or actually... we all do to ourselves when we uh you know go on Facebook or something that's stupid. Well, no, but I get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the deeper part of it also in the episode is that, so they found out that all these generations of these people that have been doing this have been manipulated into this format by this, I, I think they call it a dark entity or something, but basically like a, like a, a boogeyman kind of creature mm -hmm. uh, you know like a, a lovecraftian sort of evil spirit thing has been always putting together this formula of people to try and free it uh-huh and they've always kind of failed at freeing it because they'll sort of go towards freeing it and realize that it's not such a great idea but the first group was so pure that's the word that they use uh that they uh didn't do it they they fought against it instead and then this they, them they the the current mr gang is also similarly pure so that they might be able to defeat it as well but the episode ends with them saying like well are we even friends like We've been manipulated by this oh, entity. Yeah. Like, do, do we, like, what is the difference? Do we actually care about each other or are we just caring about each other because this thing's manipulating us? Oh my God. Yeah. You bring in that. I forgot about that. That whole app. Yeah. So, spoiler alert. I don't know. Do you want spoilers for the show? Are you planning on yeah, watching give the me whole a spoiler? Okay. So, they 
this is interesting. This is weird because I'm kind of talking about this stuff sort of in therapy right now. Not about Scooby-Doo, but like kind <laughs> yeah. of these concepts. You should record it. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they basically come to this realization that regardless of whether this thing manipulated them or not, they're working together and they perceive that they have feelings about each other. And that's the important part that they uh, that that regardless of why they're doing it, they're doing it and they have something good that they need to accomplish together to defeat this evil. So they 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 sort of are like it sort of feels like a way of table tabling the self-doubt. Well, uh, so <laughs> I don't know why I'm going to talk this, about this, but I am. What me and my therapist talk about, like, semi-frequently is the concept of hope and how, like, it's sort of a, like, a circular process of the only way to have hope is to have hope. Like, there's nothing that can justify hope, but just by having it, it justifies itself. Because, like, like you know, I have a lot of weird anxiety about, like, leaving the house in the morning and, like, just dying. Like, that's a possibility at any given point in time. Like, shit can happen and a building can fall on you at any given point in time. But you can't live your life just staying indoors, like, staying in the same place all the time because that's not really in existence. Uh-huh. So you kind, of, you kind of assume that a building won't fall on you. Yes. And that hope is sort of its own thing. It, it's not going to... It's not going to be justified by anything because you can still die. But it's also going to pay off itself because it it works regardless of the outcome. Until it doesn't. Well, but then you're dead, so then you don't have exactly, to worry about Exactly, but, that, but that's sort of the conceit to the hope. Yeah. Or the, there's, so the, and I, I mean, I think that if I was Scooby-Doo's therapist, mm. all of them... And you were like, you might have been put together by this evil thing. I would be like, you know what? You have dreams. You might, you know, uh, you might have some darkness in you, um, but you work together well as a team. And yeah, what's the end result? Yeah, yeah, like almost. Yeah, there is no end result, but but you will all die. You know, like you will die. I guess with the hope thing, it's like you you have hope, and hope is it, it. it's rational because you have reasons to believe that you won't die when you leave your house or it at but, least gets you out of the house, which is what you need. Yeah. Well, or, well, yeah, but it's also rational to that. You would get out of the house. I yeah, mean, sure. You need, you need to get out of the house. You need yeah. to survive to get out of the house. Right. And so, but then it's also rational to believe that y- you are a mortal human that, is susceptible to death <laughs> at any given point at any in time. Point. So <laughs> it's sort of like there's no ra- there's no real resolve to it, and um, uh, other than your own personal well being, it's almost like the scale is completely balanced. So you have the choice. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's kind of what makes sense about th- this concept of the gang is that at the end of the day. They have the choice. Like, whether this thing put them together or not, the fact is they're together, and it's what they choose to do what when they're together that gives them agency and makes them who they are. Like, like Velma, Velma's whole thing is that she wants to understand it, and she needs it to be rational. It isn't going to be rational for her, but she can choose to keep going despite its irrationality to her, and she can continue. Fred can choose to forgive his father 
and that's that's where that that power comes from in the storytelling. It it, it defines who they are by their agency. Uh huh. And by their pursuit of truth. Yeah. They can still pursue the truth without being morally compromised. They can stay true to their ideals or, or, or value system, whatever that happens to be. Yeah. It's also funny that they do this in the job that they do all the time. That they do... So unmasking a villain, this is a common occurrence for them. Yeah, yeah. But also through doing this activity that they always do like you know it's almost They're unmasking that, themselves yeah right it's that after school special of like you know or uh twilight zone like it was man the whole time you know yeah yeah i mean <laughs> we were the monsters yeah well that i i think uh, yeah that that every this whole i think a lot of television at this point there is this it's sort of like that twilight zone but then it's also got like a dr phil type thing to it okay or not or you know like we've reached a point of like self-actualization that's even more uh, well pop psychology to a certain extent pop psychology informed by real psychology this is kind of uh uh subconscious ideal the idealization of the subconscious Uh uh-huh that we all that we all kind of know about at least yeah 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 and sort of you know uh uh self-actualization like you say it's a it's a thing that we can play upon or use as a as an element yeah and i don't know i kind of feel like we can call it pops like i kind of feel like we figured out psychology (laughs) we're done with it yeah i mean no i mean yeah i think like i kind of feel like we all know what we all kind of know the basic tenets of it, sure. And but I also feel like we all know the correct therapy. Like I, feel, we all know like. Well, the other side parents. of that is that you and I are in therapy, so I, I feel like okay. we also kind of we think about this stuff more than necessarily uh, certain people who wouldn't think about okay, it. Okay, yeah, you know, yeah, okay, fair, yeah. I guess we're exposed to it a we're, lot more. People, we're all exposed. No, might be the wrong word. We're, we're, I'm exposed. We're, you're exposed. Mm. People are the, the 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 language is out there. Yes, and um, you know, to say that I know it would, I mean, I'm not ha- like I. I it's harder said than done, I think. But we but, don't, but yeah. like the language that we use to talk about finding self, finding like happiness and coming to terms with yourself and stuff like that is like there. Like the things that they touch on in the show, like even though it's ridiculous to forgive your this guy who stole you as a baby and lied to you your entire life, like that getting to that point and understanding how to do that will benefit you or like. Yeah, letting go, letting go or, yeah. you know, any of these sort of concepts that people, people, uh, people, they help and also they're in the zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As things that everybody like kind of knows about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, the same as sort of the bastardization of Freud over the years of kind of this, these ideas of like sublimation or, you know, the subconscious and like the id, all that stuff is sort of around and people are like, oh, you know, the dark side of people or what people actually want or, you know, it, it's all kind of there hovering in the way that people talk. Yeah. I kind of want to say like, I, I know there's what's right and what's wrong. Like, I don't... You know what's in, like, morally in the universe or (laughs) in psychology? In psychology. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, yeah. They're like, like, uh, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Right. 
it's just I don't know if I'm being brainwashed by a culture or something, or if we just become very sophisticated in our in. But I do I, like, or you can religion is unproven. It's there are some of those basic concepts and and sort of a a. a I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like aphorisms, the sort of pop aphorisms, like, you know, love is equal to love, love you get is equal to love you give, you know, stuff like that, where they're vague enough that you can absorb them in your own way and attach your emotional and and uh, psychological context to those things and get something out of them, you know, and... I feel like uh, uh, a lot of the beneficial things in psychology and spiritualism, religion and all that kind of stuff, they sort of point towards the same mile markers. They, they sort of uh, uh, thread the same highway cones. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, and, and you sort of go in those directions without necessarily the exact same lexicon every time, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and and th- and this you know there's there's that concept of uh, the subconscious and sort of um, self actualization all these sorts of things that we all experience as a form of emotional uh, 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 realism mm-hmm. and that's what. Uh, uh, they're playing with in this in in this episode of Scooby Doo, which every time I come back to that, it's funny to be talking about these mm-hmm. things and always come back to like, is this show about the talking dog? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think you did just sum it up. That is what this episode was about. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's fun. Do you think there's validity in putting those kinds of deep concepts into what is a children's cartoon? I mean. You can fundamentally do this with almost anything. If you spend enough time, you can find... I mean, you know, oh, God, I don't want to get too weird. But, like, fundamentally, sacred texts are just stories that people imbue meaning into. So you could do that with a children's cartoon to a certain extent. I mean, I don't know if you could get, like, that heavy with Yo Gabba Gabba or Blue's Clues. Maybe you could. I don't know. I'm not here to do that right well, now. Well, they're younger children, I would think. Yeah. Well, you brought that up when yeah, we were watching w- this about the sophistication of children in 69 versus now. Yeah, I think kids wouldn't let you do it otherwise. Yeah. I mean, can you do this with the children's... Tele- I don't even know who... Chil- like, do children watch this? Yeah, who I don't know who is... Things and, who, yeah. and how do children watch things? I don't... I, but we like how smart are kids? I don't know. Yeah, I I, I used to think they were pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, I still think that very often. But, but they I, but they do I, absorb things. Yeah, and I, process things in different ways, right? Yeah, I'm and not I, a child psychologist. I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, I, I know as a kid I was pretty dumb, but like there were also moments of dot connecting as a child that were vastly different. And and new and and very inspiring. Uh, yeah. Also, like there there are leaps of logic that I would accept in early Scooby Doo things that you just accept. You don't question, and it's easy for a kid to do that. I would think so. Like if you can, you know, you can say, well, that's what the woods in, near some military base looks like, and that's how <laughs> farmers act. Yeah. Kids are like, sure, okay, I understand all that. Why not? Whereas this, maybe it's not much different. Where they're like, this is how complex father son theft 
like relationships. baby, baby uh, napping people's relationships work. Mm-hmm. And kids are like, okay, I can accept that. And they can... But also, I mean, it's interesting that it's using David Lynch as its reference because his stuff is incredibly purposefully obtuse and not explained and uh, 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 ethereal. He never unmasks, uh, I mean, I guess Laura Palmer's dad. But even that but is even that a is mystical being. Yeah. You know, it wasn't him necessarily. It was this force kind of moving through him. And to what extent was that a representation of part of him? I mean, who knows? It's it's Yeah, it's weird because it kind of brings the realism versus supernatural in full circle. Yeah. Because in Squidoo, you're saying, no, this isn't a ghost. They pull off the hood and it's the mayor right. or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. in Twin Peaks, he's saying, like, people do bad things. It's not the person it's their it's some thing that's corrupted them there's there's a part of the universe that, that just works this way yeah and i think that that's a realism that you could argue for in yeah. a way you know you could say like saddam or you you know like who's a somebody paul like, potts Pol Potts doesn't, he didn't, that's not Pol Potts. That's because of his upbringing as in a corrupt system and his, and then this, and then, you know, access to power would still like There's you. There's part of the universe that has worked itself out to create this monster exactly yeah there's something more going on and i think that is you can say that about a lot of a lot of things is that there is more going on Mm. with the you know people always want to do it with like the columbine killers yeah was it were they just messed up kids or were they part of a a system that made them that way and i think that's kind of the existential crisis we're in with a lot of this like shooting stuff you know it's like why did they do it even when you take off the mask yeah it's not satisfying because it's like oh it's another dude yeah it's (laughs) like well why is that happen like we need another mask yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's the next mask to take off yeah exactly yeah exactly that's bonkers you gotta go to hypnotist land to understand that part yeah <laughs> you gotta find that part of yourself that's been trapped by that giant monster yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh well we've come to the one segment we have which i think i know how this is going to shake out this will be interesting so we are star stuff at the universe's piss does this pass the Sagan test. So, famed philosopher of science and scientist himself, Carl Sagan, once said that he wanted an adult version of Scooby-Doo because it propagated skepticism and the scientific method. Does this episode pass the Sagan test? Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, right? Definitely. Because the whole idea is searching for truth. It is. It's all about searching for truth and the fear of the truth, I think. I was just thinking while I was peeing... <laughs> About the, where we were just talking about those masks, yeah. taking off each mask, and I was thinking about how if you were a member of the People's Temple, which was Jim Jones's cult, right? Jonestown. And they started out, yeah. This what eventually became the inhabitants of Jonestown, <laughs> uh, along with Mister Muggs, their chimp. <laughs> they they started out as like really idealistic. They had they integrated a lot of restaurants all over Indianapolis. They integrated churches Mm. um, and they ran soup kitchens and he had a huge following. And I mean, I, if I really recommend last podcast on the left, they do a great job covering it, but I won't say in a series of events, things get dark. Right. And Jim Jones never wore his glasses 
the you know how Jim Jones, a lot of people, he's kind of iconically known for wearing those like big aviator right. shades. And those came way later in his in his career. And it was and the reason he did it was because he started after things got started getting dark, he started doing lots of drugs. And his eyes were getting and bugged out. Apparently his eyes were just permanently like bloodshot, like beet red. Yeah. And just like Real visceral, more not just like being stoned, just yeah. like real. He looked bad, crazy, yeah. yeah. And so I was thinking about it, and I was imagining like, if you're a People's Temple member, and this guy has been basically giving you all the explanation for life, the afterlife, right and wrong, everything. You're your truth, your, life, your truth. You're getting by day to day. Yeah. And then he, and then if you actually were to ask him like could you please take off those glasses or you took the glasses off and the person you've been seeing scary that would be if you saw that crazy eyed red guy and you're just like this is where i've been getting it from the whole no yeah (laughs) i feel you know like (laughs) oh oh, no no." yeah (laughs) 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 pack your bags betty we gotta get the hell out of here but i think well i think a lot of them would be like no just put them back on yeah right just don't i'm gonna pretend i never saw that yeah you know and we all do that and that's what this episode i think really that's what made it like kind of spooky scary because it's like be skeptical but yeah and well and take the consequences of that skepticism like accept the consequences of that skepticism because she had velma had to go into this world and and fight against her her instincts that everything had to be rational and when it turned out that it wasn't. She had to accept that consequence. She had to accept this new truth. I thought she got out of it. Huh? Got out of what? I thought she was like, no, this isn't a truth. I'm out. Well, no. She she initially went through a denial, but she had to accept it. She Did was she? there. Yeah, because she had to give the guy the statue and kind of be like, well, well I guess we're in oh, this yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, she had to accept that. Yeah. yeah. But what about that whole Aztec story? She didn't have to accept that. Uh, I, I mean, that's like a little I kind of got different. the feeling that he was like, "Snap out of it, Velma. Yeah, get back to the serious part of this hypnosis, which is saving me, <laughs> which is saving me, and give me that statue." So I guess, yeah, I, like would whether whether or not there's this dark entity or not. Yeah, I don't know. She did she have could. to accept it. You're right. Yeah, a little bit. I could, yeah. Um, but I mean, to his, that's kind of the whole Sagan esque ideology of you know uh look for truth like you don't don't sit on your laurels just having faith reinforcing your own beliefs test them and see what happens with evidence yes and that's kind of what they did in this i think this one i think this one passed it and it doubly passed it yeah hard yes hard yes definitely perfect i love it uh did you enjoy the episode i really i yes yeah i i'm I really enjoyed it. I'm happy to do. I'm happy to have watched one from the 2000s as yeah. opposed to the 60s. There's so much. Um, it feels. Uh, uh, it appeals to more modern sensibilities of we need to ask these questions. Yeah, and it felt like you know the early ones. I felt like I was applying thought onto it that wasn't there. That well, or actually, that first one, the spooky space kook. Yeah, that one is one there. They did. Of all the early seasons, they did say that was the only one that they thought 
was a common was or actually commented recognized that war existed right because of <laughs> it was so I, I yeah but yes but applying things that weren't there extrapolating on the meaning of it which i think to some extent the they were thinking about the mm. symbolism metaphor and stuff but now 2000s it's like they're so sophisticated yeah we've been it. watching tv for for you know and they 100 like, years by now yeah and, and they were like telling the story that i was thinking i would have extrapolated from the original you know yeah. or i would that's have tied on to the original yeah that's fun oh cool yeah, well, there are people who grew up watching it who are now writing those stories. Yeah, exactly. Who were thinking those things when they watched it originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's like a dis guy writing a dissertation on the people writing those stories that watched it originally. <laughs> and then there's two idiots talking about the guy who's writing the dissertation about the people who watched it originally writing stories. <laughs> yes, exactly. But are they idiots? Or are they the wisest ones in hey, this whole scenario? I still haven't seen you take off those glasses, so I don't know. <laughs> have faith (laughs) well dude this has been a blast uh do you have anything coming up if people want to find you online do you have that Uh, i don't remember when this is gonna get released so (laughs) um do i oh 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 uh we got me thinks i do a a cable access television show Mm, right called me thinks it's interviews uh, long form interviews with uh, about main news and politics. Mm. Um, we have an episode coming out soon on urban planning and or the or the changing Portland and the urban environment. Really interesting. Yeah. We're interviewing or Ali uh, Simpson's interviewing some academics, which f- from UMaine about the future housing issues in portland um and affordability thereof <laughs> well yeah see that okay yeah well, i won't get off on this is it is it it's, it's, uh, affordability or yes the affordable housing the issue there is affordable housing is defined by the median income of the area right so if you have outliers when we talk about it in here you can say housing is unaffordable but when these academics talk about it it's completely they're affordable. saying it, since it's the median income, it's like, okay, the issue is is either either housing needs to become – if to have more affordable housing, we need to lower the rent of housing or we just need to increase the income of the average inhabitant. Right. So when – this is what kind of threw me for a loop for this thing is that a lot of people's issue now is we just don't have a workforce. We don't have the – Income. Big enough – yeah uh, – skilled labor class interesting yeah yeah yeah. which we need to get some like finance people (laughs) so can people find this online oh yeah sorry yeah um you can get this on me thinks tv me thinks me think we have me thinks facebook and then me thinks tv okay uh, um on youtube oh okay great or if you live in the greater portland metro area you can see it on CTN cable access channel two or channel five. All right. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for being on. This has been a blast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. And uh, as always, to you and yours this holiday season, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord's put you. Post-credit Marvel sequence. Hello, podcast. Nick is going to edit me out later. Probably.
I thought that was the highlight of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> that cutout was great. You missed a lot. I guess you can get in the extended cut. <laughs> yeah, wait, the director's I'll cut. I'll be in yeah. the director's cut. This is going to be like uh, Blade Runner. There's going to be 12 different cuts available at any given time. <laughs> the theatrical cut. We did an episode that never made it to the podcast. That's just us playing with like different talking stuffed animals in our house. Yeah. <laughs> so you would you would you have to explain to to the view to the people like this stuffed animal looks well, like we have one that's like Pepe Le Pew but a tiger huh. and it like says like rah 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 uh you know like stuff like uh give me a pet <laughs> it, it's, it's like low-key sexist and awesome and it doesn't stop talking <laughs> Like, it's not like you hit it and it says something every time. You, like, hit it. It says and something, then it says and something, then it stops. And then, like, ten seconds later, we'll say another thing. Oh, that's hilarious. It's very like unnerving. five minutes later. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Weird. Goodbye, <laughs> internet. All right. Love you. Love you, too. What's With You Scooby-Doo is a member of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Visit StolenDress.com to check out our other Stolen Dress podcasts, blogs, tweets, videos, and books.